Mr. Elwood Heaps speaks in 2008 about the Heaps Dinner Stand, one of the longtime concessions at the Bloomsburg Fair, in an interview for Voices from the Fair, part of the Bloomsburg Fair Virtual Museum. He says, I'm the third generation. The family started the stand in 1947. My grandparents started it, and then my father took it over. We run a full breakfast menu, and we run our soups and sandwiches all day. Our platters, meatloaf, turkey, ham, fish. It's a large menu. I've added a lot to the menu, too. Since I've taken over, I've changed a lot. It was time to move with a crowd, so I added chicken wings and fish and chicken platters, shrimp platters. I think it has helped me out quite a bit. I sell a lot of chicken wings. We open a week earlier than everyone. We open up early to feed the people setting up. The toughest thing is dishes and figuring out prices. The way it's going, it's like a full restaurant menu. We have six waitresses that run the front. I have six sets of tables. We have around 28 employees. It's quite the setup. We move everything in and everything out. Bob Hope came in once to eat, and so did country artist Gretchen Wilson. Nobody knew who she was. There she sat eating, and nobody knew her. Comedian Bill Engvall, he came too. He was outside at his big bench trailer right across from our shack, and he said, boy, if this wouldn't be a redneck thing, I don't know what would be. And Billy Ray Cyrus, he ended up out back where there's a little triangle piece of grass behind our stand. He started doing backflips out there. There were quite a few of these people that came to our stand. For a while, we were sending a bunch of wings to different bands. There's been quite a few of them. The Oak Ridge Boys, they came in once. It's funny because they came in and sat down to eat, and we didn't even know who they were. Elwood Woody Heaps sharing memories of Heaps' dinner stand at the Bloomsburg Fair as part of the Voices from the Fair project. A wonderful story about good home cooking, reasonably priced and served in a clean and safe atmosphere. The Bloomsburg Fair food we know and love. We're about to enter the Bloomsburg Fair of the Mind now, and we'll learn of a food story that's not quite so safe. Peopled by performers, yes, and they are creating a culinary concoction that is one of a kind. The Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble will present Fair Food Foul Play, a BTE murder mystery on Zoom beginning April 1st and running through April 18th. Fair Food Foul Play marks a return to the virtual stage for BTE after live performances came to a halt last spring. Will Ralston, a 1989 graduate of Bloomsburg High School with a long career in television and film, cooked up the tale specifically for the BTE members. Ensemble member Amy Renee Byrne, in her first role since officially joining the troupe last year, serves double duty in the project as both actor and director. We had a chance to speak by phone with Amy and Will about fair food, foul play, and BTE and the pandemic. I am officially the newest ensemble member at BTE. It was confirmed over the summer. And one of the cool things about my joining the ensemble is since I've been working for BTE, this is now my, my sixth year, I know all of the ensemble members well. We've all worked on stage and behind the scenes in various capacities. So I already have a really good working rapport with the ensemble. 
but now I'm getting to get folded in in a different way and my creativity is getting utilized in new and different ways. And so that has just brought a new energy to me and to those already existing relationships. And Will, you are someone who knows the turf. You know Bloomsburg very, very well. When you were going to high school, did you know about BTE? Did you attend BTE? Did you apprentice with BTE? Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, I remember when the Albina Crest Theater was a movie theater, and I went there to see movies on the weekends as a kid, and I remember being at the middle school when BTE purchased that theater and turned it into a live theater because... There were some members of BTE that actually came and made us do like a buddy system hand-holding walk down the hill to go into the AKT and see it for the first time. So I've I've been around it longer than it's been around, actually. And you made your life's work doing creative projects that are theatrical in nature. Tell us what you've been up to. Uh, yeah, so... It started actually with BTE. I was an intern my senior year of high school, and I went to NYU directly after that and got my BFA in film, television, and radio. And then I worked for about 25 years as a sound editor, wanting to be a writer, and finally got my opportunity to switch careers about six years ago. And I've been working mostly with David Simon, uh, the creator of The Wire, I was the supervising sound editor for The Wire, so that's how we met. And we were working together for about 13 years when he finally hired me to write an episode of Treme. So I, I wrote on Treme and then The Deuce, and, uh, and I was a co-producer on Plot Against America. And when did you have time to think about this piece? Well, I, I had a lot of time to think last year because I couldn't do much else. When, when I finished working on Plot Against America, we filmed that in New York and New Jersey, I took the opportunity to move to Los Angeles to look for the next job, and I basically finished furnishing my apartment when COVID hit. So I was in isolation and working on development for my own thing, some original television series, but of course nothing was really being bought or worked on at the time. And then on Halloween, I was invited to participate in a Zoom murder mystery through the Editors Guild, which was something I wasn't, I don't think I would normally actually consider doing because I'm not really a participatory kind of audience member, but there was nothing else going on. And I was also just kind of curious to see how it would work and to see how that particular group of people would manage to do it because editors in general were very introverted and shy and I was really pleasantly surprised. You know, I got grouped with four people I had never met before, and we worked together as a team, and we came out of our shells, and we had fun. And during the entire process, I was thinking of BTE. I was thinking, you know, this is something that they could do now during COVID when the stage is dark and they can't have anybody, you know, in the chairs. This would be a new way for them to find a way to perform for the audience. And Amy, during the month of February, there was a very fun prelude to this with a Valentine's interactive game that was online. Tell us how that went. Uh, yes, that went really well. It was wonderful to get to connect with our audience in some capacity. I think that's been one of the hardest components of the pandemic is being cut off from our audience. And the audience is what makes theater what it is, right? 
So not being able to have people in the seats and see people after the show and talk about a show that's coming up really has been, it has made for a lonely time and a really difficult time for us at BTE. So the Valentine's Day game was a really nice way to just say, hey, we're still here, still looking to be creative and make things for you, and we want to see you and interact with you. So it, it was really nice to have that. So how then did the project come together? So BTE had been, we've been having all of these very difficult conversations about programming. You know, what can we make in isolation? What can we make that our audiences can can see that keeps us safe, that keeps them safe? And there was this serendipitous thing that happened where Will reached out to us and said, hey, you know, writer's rooms are are digital right now. I'm going to be in the area. What would you think about me writing a murder mystery for BTE? And we said, that sounds fantastic. Our audiences have been asking for murder mysteries for a very long time. So it just felt like this really nice aligning to make the project happen. And Will, you know Bloomsburg, so this is not just any Orient Express kind of murder mystery. This is home base. Absolutely. This is definitely not Agatha Christie territory at all. Yeah, I'm I'm from Bloomsburg. I was born and raised here. My family's been here for hundreds of years. And I, I come home every year for the fair. So when I was thinking of writing a story that was censored in the area, the Bloomsburg Fair was the first thing that I thought of. So it's it's kind of set in the world of the fair. If you like the fair, you will love the play. <laughs> Did you learn something, Amy, you all, in terms of how to present, even though it wasn't a full-fledged narrative play for the Valentine game? Did you learn how you could all record things safely at the theater? Yes. This process has been very interesting and very informative, to say the least. We had to set out to figure out this whole new medium for us. So we have this amazing combination of performance and interactivity that is integrated into the murder mystery. So we actually have filmed a video component that unravels for the audience. They get to meet the characters, they get caught up on the circumstances of our story, and then they are put into an interactive environment where they get to interview those characters themselves, ask them any questions that they want to. So it has been a lot of learning. Film production is not something that I personally have had any experience with, so that has been a really big learning curve for me. Having Will on the project has been absolutely the best thing. He has been a a, a driving force and and a guiding light for me during this process. And it's been invigorating. It has been challenging. It has been a ton of fun. And I think that we've come up with a product that is a really nice blend of performance and game and is totally safe for our actors, totally safe for our audience. We had to do some very creative COVID safety protocols. Uh, I'll let Will speak a little bit about one particular scene that our audience is going to see. Uh, Yeah, so logistically, just trying to make a video about the world now and not have people behind masks all the time was was a very interesting challenge. Like Amy said, we had protocols in place. We kept our distance. We had daily temperature checks, and many of the members of the ensemble and the production team have had the opportunity to at least begin getting their COVID shots, which was another 
was great news, but also another challenge because we had to schedule around people shots and the possible after effects of the shots. But there is a, a scene in the video that takes place pre-COVID, so in a world where people could stand next to each other. And in order to do that safely, we got a green screen and we did some visual effects trickery where we shot each section separately and I stitched them together in post-production. So it looks like they're standing next to each other, but they never actually were. There's never a point where two unmasked people were standing within six feet of each other the entire time. You have such an extensive background, Will, in terms of film and video. What would you say is the biggest difference in creating a piece for Zoom these days or online stuff for you as a writer or creator? Uh, wow. I mean, that's a good question. There's There are several major differences between this and what I normally do. As far as the Zoom component, I guess the, the biggest challenge is, you know, writing a story that you can't just take out into the world and say, and now they walk down the street, and now they go into a cafe and have a discussion. Like, everybody's kind of stitched into one place and static, and, and it was... I designed it. I, I built the storyline in a way that that was credible for what we're watching. We don't expect things to be more outside or more, uh, I don't know, kinetic, I guess. The bigger challenge for me in writing this is, unlike most stories where, you know, I sit in a room with six to 12 other writers and we kind of brainstorm all the permutations and possibilities that a story could take and then land on one and film it, we kind of, I, I had that collaborative process with the ensemble but we're talking about all the possible permutations and we're not picking just one. We've got three different outcomes, three different solutions, one each week. So it's more like a video game in that sense that, you know, like I'm kind of designing trees, um, branches of decision-making, sort of a choose-your-own-adventure in a sense, except that we're choosing the adventure and, and we're guiding you on it. Tell us a little bit more then about our part in this. Yes. So the audience is a really big part of this. I would say that it is equal parts performance and equal parts audience interaction. And one of the things that was really important to me as we made this project was honoring sort of the traditional murder mystery feelings and tropes. And the live interactivity with murder mystery characters is, for me personally, one of the biggest joys of the medium. So we wanted to make sure that our audience has an opportunity to actually interface directly with the characters throughout the course of the event. So the audience will watch the story unfold, get a feeling for the characters before they are put into interview rooms with them. They get to ask them any question that they want based on everything that they've learned up until this point. And then with their fellow teammates, they are going to decide who committed this murder uh, and why present their, their findings to the group, uh, and we have sort of a, a big, fun reveal planned for the end. It sounds like it's something new and fresh, a new form of theater, so we don't feel like, oh, shucks, this is just a fallback until we can get back into the theater. It is, but it's not just a consolation prize. Absolutely. It's a, it's a hybrid. You know, I, I said earlier that I participated in a Zoom murder mystery back on Halloween last year. This is not like that. You know, even other Zoom murder mysteries don't really have the components that we have. That night, it really felt like a parlor game, and we just, they had hired some actors to play the parts, but it was all very much like a take-home murder mystery pack. 
that we were going through the motions on. This is an entirely different thing, and it's a combination, like you said, it's a combination of theater, the combination of film. It's also it's got the interactivity, and it's also designed in a way that if you have friends or family members that are living with you or in your bubble, they can come over to your house and you can all participate as one one screen together. And if people aren't able to be in the same place at the same time, if you buy tickets on the same night, you can request to be teamed together. So, you know, it's a way to reconnect with people that you might not be able to see on a daily basis. But regardless, you're going to be teamed with other people who are you know, working towards a common goal with you. So you might actually get to connect with new people and make new friends. And Amy, is the ensemble talking already about keeping this in the mix, keeping this format of connecting with the audiences even after the pandemic worst is over and you're back in the Alvina Krauss Theater and you have a live audience and have that energy across the footlights? Is it already something you think that you'd want to keep doing? I think that's a possibility for sure. And I think that by the time this is over, we will have learned so much from it. And I would be shocked if we didn't keep components of what we've learned um, active and present. It's, it's forced us to, as you said, sort of, you know, create a new medium. And it's reminded us that as theater artists, we are always looking to innovate and find new ways to tell stories. And I think that's the biggest thing for us is how can we tell stories? How can we connect to our audience? And one of the good things that has come out of the pandemic is an opportunity for us to reach people that are not only in Bloomsburg or in the surrounding areas, but to to reach out to the greater world. My family, who lives in Tennessee, can can see this BTE performance from the comfort of their own home. And that's true for everybody. So people that have connections to the area and have since moved away or have friends or family in the area or who maybe just find us by chance, have an opportunity to see something from BTE. And I think that that is incredibly cool. And I think that it would be really smart for us to to keep that in our mix. Now, we haven't talked about food. How can we not talk about food when it comes to this piece? <laughs> Will, tell us. I Amy, I don't know what we're allowed to say. Yeah. To ruin anything? I mean, I, w- I would say that the storyline revolves around a food that is sold at the fair. It is a fictional food. <laughs> I made it up. It's my fault. <laughs> the production did have to actually create versions of it so that we could have it on screen. And uh, Amy and I have sampled it, and it was not a good idea. <laughs> it, it sounds better than it tastes if it sounds interesting. I don't know if it sounds delicious, but... So yeah, it's a it's a story about a Bloomsburg native who invents uh, a new food for the fair, and it goes international. And I think that's all I can say. <laughs> Definitely a challenge with a murder mystery, and how much can you give away beforehand? Ensemble member Amy Renee Byrne, and she is both actor and director here. And Will Ralston, Bloomsburg native and playwright of this new interactive script. Starting April 1st, the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble will present Fair Food, Foul Play, a BTE murder mystery on Zoom. And the shows will run Thursdays through Sundays at 7.30 p.m. through April 
18th. With the exception of Easter, April 4th, there will be no show available on Easter Sunday. For technical purposes, tickets need to be purchased 24 hours in advance. Seating is limited, so tickets are available from the BTE website, bte.org, bte.org, or the easily remembered phone number for the box office, area code 570-784-8181, 784-8181, and that is the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble's Fair Food Foul Play, a BTE murder mystery on Zoom running April 1st through the 18th, Thursdays through Sundays at 7.30 p.m., except Easter Sunday, and you need to get your tickets 24 hours in advance, so they suggest that you book now. Tickets are available from the BTE website, bte.org, bte.org, or by calling the box office, 570-784-8181, 784-8181. 